Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. It's always fun to hear what our kids like to say and, and, and how they perceive some of this um, as well. Before we dive in this morning, I just want to um, put out a word. Uh, we, uh, some of you know, we switched our church management sophomore software. It may have been sophomoric, I don't know, um, uh, several weeks ago. And for those of you who give digitally, who give online, it, it may very well impact that. And um, uh, we sent out, I sent out an email uh, in the last couple of days. And uh, if you did not get it, it may be because you don't, you, you've blocked it, but it'll be coming from Church C Community Builder. I mean, not that you intentionally blocked it, but um, so. Uh, look for that because that is information about how you can restart that if that's something you've been doing or something you want to start doing uh, that can be sure that, that your giving is always present even when you're not. And uh, so that's just a helpful tool for you. Uh, and it also has some information about Christmas and, and getting ready for that in, our, in that email. So uh, if you didn't get one and you, uh, you're a member or regularly attend, check your uh, spam filter or something like that because it, it may be, because it's from a new source, it may not have gotten through. In these weeks leading up to Christmas, as we've been doing the last couple of three weeks, we want to unwrap why we do what we do in terms of the traditions and celebrations surrounding Christ's birth. We want to, we want to focus on the why behind the what and allow our celebrations to then intentionally reflect our faith and allow them to even be tools to, to point ourselves and to point others to the true meaning behind Christmas, that it's, it's all around us in our celebrations and in, in our symbolism that we often don't realize it, of celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. If you've been with us, you know that in previous weeks we've looked at the meaning in and behind Christmas decorations and carols and gifts, and today we want to look at the importance of light. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've always loved Christmas lights. I mean, I just, it's just one of the most fun things to me. And, and I love driving around and looking at it. I've, I, I love putting up not only uh, our Christmas tree, but Christmas lights at our house outside. I mean, it's just something kind of uplifting to the soul for me about doing that. And, and I, won't, I won't lie, I've, um, I've, I've, I've even toyed with running a new electrical circuit to my front yard. Um, but thank goodness for LED lights, right? They don't draw as much electricity. So it, it doesn't, it, sometimes when, when two people in our house are using a hair dryer, we trip a breaker. But, but otherwise, we do, we do okay. Um, and, and I don't know about your family, but our family always does at least once and sometimes multiple times, piles into the car and just drives around the neighborhood and uh, here in Clear Lake to see Christmas lights and, and see what other people have put up. And you've been seeing some of those pictures up here, right here in our area. And, uh, and a couple of times we've even driven to River Oaks. I don't know if any of y'all been there. I, I don't know how much money some of those people have, but my goodness, it is unbelievable what, what they do. But at the same time, around the first of the year, when unfortunately, at least as, as I see it, the lights come down, I feel a little sad. Uh, does anybody else ever kind of have that? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's just all of a sudden, the house, my yard is dark. I was talking to someone earlier, and they liked it, but they did like it. But for me, I, I just, there's something missing. And I, I don't know about y'all, but uh, I think it's kind of human nature. We're all comfortable with at least a little bit of light. I mean, even if it's a flashlight when I'm outside, it's, and, and it's not just seeing where I'm going, though that's certainly a part of it. But there's just a little bit of, I don't know, kind of a irrational discomfort that, that I feel sometimes. Maybe, maybe it's even a fear, I don't know, with real darkness and what might be lurking out there that I can't see, that I don't know is there. In fact, it seems most people, darkness is, is almost a metaphor for the unknown, for poor or dangerous life choices or, or even evil. And, and I think it's deeply ingrained in us because it goes all the way back to creation. In Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. Notice that there was, there was darkness until God said, let there be light, and he said the light was good and separated from the darkness. Darkness was, it was the absence of God's creative power. In fact, the apostle John tells us light a lot like love, represents the very essence of God himself. In John 1, 1, 5, 1 John 1, 5, he says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. God created light. God saw it was good because it represented his fundamental nature. From the beginning, the lines biblically are strongly drawn between light and dark. As we proceed through the Old Testament, darkness was one of, what, one of the ten plagues that God placed on Egypt when Pharaoh refused to let his people go. In other settings of the Old Testament, darkness often carries the sense of evil and death that keeps us apart from God and his glorious light. Isaiah 5.20, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark. Psalm 107, beginning in verse 10, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. And by the way, it's interesting how many times darkness and the shadow of death are, are tied together in the Old Testament. Prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them Thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Notice, I mean, here in verse 10, verse, in verse 14, darkness is stated in parallel with this ominous shadow of death. 
and liberation from darkness or the shadow of death was a gift of God's steadfast love that he offered to us, his human creations. The hope of a child who would lead them, lead us out of the darkness and into God's glorious light. Isaiah said the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness On them a light has come. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God is often described in the Old Testament as being wrapped in glorious light. And and his answer to darkness for, for individuals and even for nations is light. Again from Isaiah, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. As we come to the New Testament... The fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies is is foretold by John the Baptist's father, a priest named Zechariah, who speaks this through the leading of the Holy Spirit at, at John's birth, promising God's light is about to break into this world to change everything. He says in Luke chapter 1, it says, Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to give us the path of peace. The Savior will provide light to illuminate the darkness of sin and death, to lead his people to the path of peace with God and within themselves, within ourselves. And Matthew tells us the birth of this this Savior Jesus is marked by a star. And, And what is a star? I mean, yes, it's a ball of hot gas. I understand that. But it is a brilliant point of light in a dark night. In Matthew 2, it says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. The Apostle John spoke of Christ coming in, in, in perhaps more symbolic language, but every bit is significant and true. And, and if you listen, very much mirroring 
the language of creation at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1. For John writes, in the beginning, the exact same words as in Genesis 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that line, y'all. I don't know if you ever think about that, but that line strikes me. No matter how much darkness there is, it can never overcome the light. No matter how dark around us it is, it, it may seem small at first, but just as if you're up early and see the first streaks of dawn in the eastern skies as, as nothing more than just a glow on the horizon, you know, you know that the sun is coming and the light will soon illuminate everything. On Christmas Eve, we have our services here, 2, 4, 6, and 11. And all of those close with this image of the coming of the light of Christ. If you've been with us before, you know it starts with, a, we have an altar down here that will have a single candle, the Christ candle, sitting on it. Representing Christ himself, the light of the world. And we turn off all the lights. And even in the size of this room, even if you were up at the very top or the very back, see that one candle, that one light shining in the midst of so much darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. Yet everyone in the room can see. And what's more, God uses us then, and we do this in the service, he uses us then to spread that light across the room. And, and increasingly, the darkness is pushed back in the light and joy of Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. His, his light enters into the lives of those who follow him to shine through us, spreading that candlelight across this room and, and bring that same light then to others. It's, it's inherent in the nature and purpose of, of the light of Christ, that we are to spread it. it. It makes no sense not to. Jesus said, you are the light of the world also. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, you me, his followers, are the light of the world, and, and, and your light isn't meant to be hidden. In fact, Jesus says, lighting a light and then hiding it somewhere, hiding it under a basket, hiding it, whatever you do, it, it essentially makes no sense whatsoever. Why would you light the light if you don't intend to use it? He says he comes into our lives to give us his life, to be shared with others. And, and when we don't share that light, it makes as little sense as someone turning on a light and then covering it up so no one can see it. 
Think about that. I mean, that's the, the, the image that, that Jesus is giving us. To allow, to allow him to come into our life, to be the light for us. And then for us to take that light and hide it? Makes no sense. Light is not just for us, but for those around us to illuminate the darkness that others can see where their lives may even fall short and find the right path forward. And of course, I mean, here's the reality. Sometimes you turn a light on and you, do, you see some things you really didn't want to see. Okay? Sometimes I turn the light on in my, my garage and I hear some things I don't want to hear. Some scurrying. But more than that, I, I see. But the problem is I can't fix anything. I can't work on anything until I see what's real, what's true, what the light shows. And even as God comes into our life and we become that light, there are people who don't like it. If you're a Christian and you're out there living that light at your workplace or in your family or in your neighborhood, there are people that are very uncomfortable with that. Because whether they can put it in words or not, you're a light shining in some darkness. And, and you may be illuminating some things that they don't want to see about themselves, about their lifestyle. But it's the only chance for them to see the harm of the darkness, to turn to God in repentance and trust the light of Christ in their own lives. John said, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. I mean, ultimately, if you think about it, light leads to stronger bonds in our relationships because the light exposes our sins, leading to repentance, leading to receiving forgiveness, leading to a lifestyle of love that is the foundation of any real and lasting relationship. Paul writes, once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. So all the things that light does. It illuminates the darkness. It reveals dangers. It helps us feel safe. It, it shows us the way. It, it lights the way for others. Is how Jesus calls you and me to live every day. Christmas serves no purpose if the light just stays in here. If even on Christmas Eve we light those candles and, and, and the light never goes anywhere else. It is meant to be taken out into the world. Because Jesus said hiding our light makes no sense. Our decorations of light can be used to represent His light spreading through us into and across the darkness. Every light you see, maybe they didn't intend it, but it can be proof that the darkness can never overcome it. And every light can make a difference. 
every single solitary light. And even its beauty that, that we enjoy seeing at its deepest level is a statement of the inherent beauty of our God who is himself light. And the very timing of, interestingly, of, of our celebration of Christmas plays into this. If, you've, if you read through Scripture, and, and I'm not going to ask you, but if you read through Scripture, you'll notice that nowhere does it say precisely when Jesus was born. So the question comes up, where did December 25th come from? Some of you heard, and, and, and it's true that Christmas falls at the same time as uh, a couple of Pre one pre-Christian pagan Roman celebration called Saturnalia and a later uh, uh, celebration called Saul Invictus, which means unconquered sun, which became a Roman celebration on December 25th, 274 A.D., to honor the Roman sun god. And non-Christians like to say that, that we Christians originally, our Christmas was originally a pagan holiday. That's what it was all about. And as Susan mentioned even last week, the Puritans, when they came to America, believed that and outlawed the celebration of Christmas for a few decades. But, but listen, y'all, popular opinion, and because someone says it, don't make it so. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. It is true that the early church was not focused on celebrating the birth of Jesus, instead making his death and resurrection the central focus of their yearly celebrations. Even our earliest writings by Paul and Mark don't mention the birth of Jesus. But by 200 A.D., we start to see some interest in determining the birth date of Jesus, and a, and a number of dates, including December 25th, are mentioned. Now, what's equally interesting is it's likely that Jesus wasn't even born on December 25th. Because while Scripture doesn't give us a date, Luke tells us that the shepherds were out in their fields next to Bethlehem with their sheep. And yet we now know that the only time shepherds were allowed to come close to Jerusalem, which was about five miles away, it, it's, I mean, when you go there today and Bethlehem is just a part of Jerusalem, you can't even distinguish where one starts and one ends was that the only time they could bring those sheep close was within the month leading up to the Passover in mid-spring when the Passover lambs would be sacrificed. In other words, it's more likely that Jesus was born around the time of what we know is his death. Also because of later calendaring mistakes, it's more likely he was born in the time frame of somewhere like 7 to 4 B.C., by the way, y'all, there is no 0 B.C. or A.D. It goes from 1 B.C. to 1 A.D. And 1 A.D. was supposed to be the year, but it, you can go read about it, the Julian versus the Gregorian calendar. It's all a mess. I don't know. But, but let me just stay on point. Why December 25th? It, it's actually unlikely that it was initially meant to replace pagan holidays. Because during the 200s, when Christianity was still outlawed, and Christians were very careful to keep their faith traditions distinct from pagan traditions around them. Around 200 AD, Tertullian of Carthage in northern Africa calculated the date of Jesus' crucifixion to be March 25th in the Roman solar calendar of that time, which 
turns out to be nine months before December 25th. March 25th soon became celebrated as the Feast of the Annunciation, the date when the angel told Mary she would become pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So early Christian tradition and theology then placed both Jesus' death. Now, let me see. If you're in your notes, let me just tell you, I made a mistake. I I wrote Jesus' birth, but it's correct up here. Jesus' death and conception on March 25th. And, and, and I, I, very intentionally, they, they did this because they wanted to link the, the conception of Jesus with his death. That this was all one story. This was all one event. This was not some separate thing. And so they therefore placed his birth on December 25th. And, and for the Roman calendar of that time, December 25th was the winter solstice, the day having the least light of the entire year. By the mid-200s, There's evidence some in North Africa were celebrating Jesus' birth on December 25th, which is decades before the Romans established their Sol Invictus holiday. The earliest official recorded celebration of Christ's Mass, Christ's Mass, occurred in Rome in 336 during the reign of the first Roman emperor, or Christian emperor, Constantine. And around 350, Pope Julius I declared that the birth of Jesus would be celebrated on December 25th. But here's the thing. It is not until the 12th century, almost 1,000 years later, that we find any writing at all suggesting that Jesus' birth was deliberately set to coincide with the time of the midwinter pagan festivals. In other words, nobody talked about this for 800 years. So it seems most likely that the date of the celebration of Christmas was not some kind of initial Christianization of existing pagan festivals. And that's a common thought that some people have today. But instead was an extension of the the central Christian story of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. In other words, Christ's conception, birth, Life, death, and resurrection are all one drama, one experience set in motion by God to deliver you and me and everyone in this world from the bondage of sin and death. And so December 25th is still appropriately symbolic for on what was then considered the longest, darkest night of the year, the night in which there was the the least amount of light in the day, a star appeared, and the light came into the world, and still, and still the darkness has not overcome it. So you and I are called to share that light with the world around us. I don't know if you've had this experience. I've been several times, I'm out, out west Texas hunting where, you know, there's not all these lights and you get out there and there's no moon and, and, and in hunting you want to get out there before it starts getting light and all that kind of stuff. And I'm driving out of my truck and I, I get to this point and of course you got the lights on on the dial, you got the headlights on and when you turn it all off and you step out, it is so 
It really is. And there is something visceral about that darkness. And what, it, what I've discovered is kind of like what Martin Luther discovered. When I start to look up and I start seeing stars and then more stars as my eyes adjust, get used to the darkness, and more stars, it's this beautiful scene that there's more light than I ever knew. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never overcome it. Guys, that's something you and I need to claim. As you go through your, your holiday season, as you go through your life, there are going to be times when it seems dark. Some of you, uh, I, I've had experiences with depression, and it feels like a darkness in my life, a deep darkness. Sometimes it's just the circumstances of life that go on around us. And we need to know there is a light, and that light can never be overcome by darkness. That's why this is more than a holiday it is a holy day of sharing the good news. The Bible says we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Don't miss the opportunity to be his light, to share his light with those around you. And we provided you tools, whether it's a sign it's kind of fun driving through the neighborhoods, and I keep seeing our signs. And it just kind of speaks. I don't know about y'all. It speaks to me. But there's also, we have these cards that you can pick up in hand, and we've got things on Facebook that you can use to share. Because, you see, if you've ever experienced darkness, you're not the only one. Creation seems to indicate that darkness is our natural state until light comes in. And there are people in your lives who may pretend that everything is fine, but maybe it isn't. And you have the opportunity, the chance to share some light, to point people to the true light, the light that is the life of all people. That's why to me Christmas is this great opportunity. And I hope and I pray you will use it not about gateway it's not about clear lake it's about the kingdom of god and the light that is the life of men if you need to talk to somebody about that light our prayer team will be down here and they'd love to share with you the difference it can make you can be the light also by by your giving by what you give through christmas at gateway what you give through your church to be the light 
to help it shine bright. And if you're a guest with us today, I'd love to meet you. I'll be standing out here with some friends and would love to say hello. But let's close in prayer. God, thank you for your light that has come to us in the midst of so much darkness. As we go through this season and we see the, the, the lights in our neighborhoods, it's pretty. I mean, yeah, some of it's garish. Some of it's out there. Some of them pick weird colors. But still, God, it's light, and it illuminates the darkness. And let it be more than simply an ooh or an awe moment, but a moment when our eyes are drawn to you because you were the very first light. And your light will never be overcome, no matter how much darkness is around us. Your light gives us a hope and a peace that passes all understanding. May we live in your light, but even more, may we be givers of your light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are the light of the world. Don't hide your light. See you next time. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.